0: It's like look as a as a cattle rancher and as a hunter and a guide I love these animals like I, I really do yeah. like I, I care for them immensely and I can think of nothing worse than all the work and effort and love that went into this animal just so that we could enjoy this meat and then have that get ruined on a grill yeah you know and a trigger just doesn't do that. You know, you just can't hardly mess it up. It's constant watching. Yeah. 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 That's Um, great. So I think that that's, that's incredible that, that now we have, you know, a tool with the type of technology that makes food taste really good and keeps us from wrecking it, you know, because how disrespectful is it to that animal that you burned it, that you burned that meat? These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. SIG is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, SIG Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, SIG Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military, the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit sigsauer.com. So you basically
1: like grew up in a butcher shop. I did. I'm I'm third generation for sure. My grandfather uh, owned a butcher shop who did on-site slaughtering. And then my father uh, obviously started with my grandfather being his dad and did the same exact thing. And then my father retired from Market Basket as a meat manager. And uh, when I say retired, worked harder than he ever did because he bought uh, the Mount Dustin Country Store, which is now currently Northern New England Outfitters and had a full-time butcher shop there and uh, just has been running a knife his entire life. And now we're here in your butcher shop. We are. And uh, you know what I think is really cool is I think that I've, you know, made my dad proud with the <laughs> things that I've done being a, a police officer and a guide and those things. Um, but I never seen him light up uh, like I did when I said that I was opening a butcher shop. Yeah. And uh, and he came down and I think he, he approved. He liked it. And uh, I was like, you know, it, it makes sense as a human being to say, okay, now you're talking my language. Yeah. You know, I think it's cool
0: what you're doing, but now you're talking my language. So it was great. So you're a guide. You're a SWAT team leader, police officer, father, husband, butcher shop owner, firearms instructor. Yeah. What else am I missing? Are you the most masculine man in North America? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. There's... Uh, <laughs>
1: I'm the most tired man in North America, <laughs> maybe, with the most understanding wife. Um, no, yeah, all those things are, are great and they, they've happened over time. And, uh, but I'm starting to pick my path uh, that I enjoy the most. Yeah. And that certainly is leading towards uh, the guiding and the butcher, Dude, butcher shop. Cutting me is hard work. It is. It is. And I tell my wife, I'll come home after uh, you know a long day in the shop and I tell her, I'm like, well, one of two things are going to happen. I'm going to have the most strongest handshake ever, or I'm going to have arthritis. Yeah,
0: <laughs> one or the other because it is a, quite the hand workout. Maybe both at the same time, and yeah. and just the environment of it is is really demanding as well, because the nature of cutting meat means you are changing temperatures radically a whole bunch of times throughout the day. You're walking in and out of a freezer. You're walking in and out of you know a cold locker that's at what thirty four degrees 35 degrees yeah, 33 to 37 i keep it yeah and then out here you know in your cutting room that's you know cl- still a chilly room temperature but yeah i mean it is really hard on you to be changing that all the time and then lifting these these big meat lugs are these 50 pound lugs yeah, yeah. 50 pounds you can get more in there yeah sure yeah. Heap it up a little <laughs> bit pack, pack it down yeah um all of it is really demanding The thing that kills me the most, I think, about cutting meat is just being bent over a table cutting. You know, that just slays my back. Yeah, it is. It's rugged. But I'll tell you, nowadays, I look around my shop and
1: I tried to get, uh, you know, the highest end stuff that I could, especially for the help, for all the reasons that you just listed. Um, You know, the butcher shop up north that we own at, at Neo is cut in the cold butcher shop. So they actually cut in the cooler up there. And if you don't think that that is hard on the body, it is. So when uh, Leanne and I designed this shop, it was, how can we make this the most comfortable we can? Mm-hmm. And yes, we have the cooler, uh, but we cut in room temperature and make sure we go back in the cooler. And uh, we put in you know, fail safes throughout the, the place. We've got uh, monitoring of the cooler so we know it'll actually alert our phones and let us know what the temperature is inside. Uh, as we talked about with the uh, the meter blocks that just got purchased by Traeger, they uh, send us alarms, let us know what's going on inside the smoker, so we're able to keep an eye on people's meat, which is which is real cool. So trying yeah. to use technology the most we can.
0: I haven't actually talked about those things on the show yet, but I've started started using one just before Thanksgiving. But meter is a um, it's a Bluetooth um, thermometer um, that it, it's a meat probe, but. What I think is so cool about it, besides the fact that I can see it on my phone, um, it tells you the ambient temperature inside whatever you're cooking in as yeah. well as the internal temperature of the meat. Which which is really important to know. Uh, like a man in a smoker
1: needs to know what's going on in there. And it's not necessarily that individual cook. It's to know, okay, I did 15, 20 cooks in there, 100, 1,000, whatever it might be. And I know that the back right corner is a cold spot. Yeah. Or I know that this is a hot spot. Sure. And these are things that I want to know, especially when I'm putting different size
0: uh, pieces of meat in there. And we were out the door at 4.30 this morning to go coyote hunting. But before that, you're down here loading hams (laughs) into your smoker. (laughs) Yes, I was. Yeah.
1: The hams take quite a while. And uh, if I want to go bed at a decent hour tonight, then I better get up at 3 in the morning to get them in.
0: What's the process for smoking a ham? Uh, the
1: curing process is going to be first and foremost, obviously oh, butchering, yeah. uh, butchering and then yeah, the curing let's, process. Yeah, let's start
0: with the pig. Yeah. We, we got a pig out there trotting around a pen all do, happily, yeah. and then yeah, suddenly he, he's dead. Then what happens? Um, so we'll, we'll actually go out to farm. We do
1: on, uh, farm, farm slaughtering and uh, field dress there, bring it back to the butcher shop. Again, staying on uh, par with trying to work as comfortably as possible. So a lot of people want us to slaughter in the winter, and it's, uh, it's just downright cold. Here in New tough. England. Yeah, so we bring it back here. We skin here, uh, get it in the cooler, and within a c- couple days, we're, we're processing that pig. So getting the hams ready to go. Uh, the brining process is real easy with a vacuum tumbler. Uh, it used to take a lot longer, trying to submerge it in the cure for seven, eight days, roughly. Now I uh, pop it in there, and within hours, you know, seven, eight hours max, uh, the ham's coming out. I'll let it cure overnight. What is that. a vacuum tumbler? vacuum tumbler is the most amazing machine in the meat industry. <laughs> I'm telling you, I call it the magic machine. It uh, so what it is, I have a 200 pound capacity, which is really small in the grand scheme of things with uh, guys that are in this industry. They make them in for thousands of pounds of meat, but uh, I'm running a 200 pound Daniel's food equipment. And what it is, is a stainless steel drum that you put your meat in and I'm gonna—I'll talk about a steak because that's more enjoyable than thinking about cure and hams. But okay. I'll put it, my favorite steaks in there, about 12 pounds at a time, and then my marinade. So I'll go with like a teriyaki marinade, about 40 ounces for 12 uh, pounds, just to okay. keep the numbers manageable. And it'll go—I'll I'll set it for about a 30-minute cycle, put the lid on vacuums the air out of the tumbler, which forces the pores of the meat open and the protein. So there's negative pressure in there. That's right. And then the uh, marinade can actually go inside the meat, and it tumbles at the same time, hitting the little jut outs. And uh, at the conclusion of the 30 minutes, it'll introduce oxygen back into the tumbler, which forces the pores close again, trapping that marinade inside. So now you have a juicier steak, a tastier steak, and a tender steak, which are coming out. As far as hams and curing, it's the same exact process, but it just allows the cure to get into the meat and near the bone, so you don't have any of that bone rot or anything, the souring going on. So,
0: Gotcha. So, curing a ham, is that salt, sugar, prog powder? You know, I'll give a shout out to, to my
1: buddy Mike Holland in Pennsylvania, Holland Brothers. He's a, a world champion when it comes to his recipe, and he shared that with me. Uh, so in confidence, I will keep that where it belongs. Okay. Uh, but his recipe has been awesome. We're uh, we're both hunters, I think that's where that bond came from, and uh, he was more than willing to help me out as a small business to to get on my feet and provide the best uh, product that I could for people. So, but yes, ultimately is uh, like a salt based
0: cure. Okay. And what does salt actually do to that meat? You know, is it are are you tr- You're not necessarily trying to preserve it, but you need that flavor, especially in a ham, to penetrate evenly throughout the entire thing. Right. And that's why it's important, uh, you know, for a ham,
1: not as much the bacon. They're not as dense, right, or um, as much meat to get through. But those hams, we're we're injecting them first. So we're putting it in there uh, all the way down to the bone, injecting it to about 20% of its weight. Uh, And then I'll put it in the tumbler, which is just sucking that all the way in the rest of the way to the bone. Uh, And again, like I said, I'll let it sit overnight, just make sure that it's in there real good, and then I'll net them up and and get them in the smoker. Okay. What does the net do for them? Well, the net's going to do a couple things. It's going to keep it together, especially when it comes out of that tumbler. It can be a little bit floppy, if you will, Um, but also allows me to
0: hang it in the smoker. All right. So it it's a little more manageable. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that way you don't have to like stick a hook it down in the meat. Yeah, yeah. And then it could fall off the hook and then
1: be ruined at that point. But we take the net off before we, we stake it for people. So,
0: okay. All right. So then it goes in the smoker. What happens then? Well, it's, it's basically a very big waiting game with, uh,
1: with a lot of patience in between. So it's about a four, four stage cycle, put it in 90 degrees, up to 100 for 6 hours, 130 degrees for 5 hours, up to 150 degrees, and ending on 170 degrees. Trying to get that ham to about 145 to 150 degrees internal temp before I pull it out. Okay. Um, that last 2 hours can be long. It, they can stall out, yep. and you won't get a whole lot of movement on the internal temp. And honestly, this is where you can really screw it up and up that temperature, and you can ruin your ham. So you just got to wait it out. There's been many a time where... I come down here and waiting for that last five degrees. And you can see over here, I install the television. There's a reason for that. Yes yeah. waiting for that last last
0: five degrees of my hams. Yeah, that's uh, smart. <laughs> yeah. So it helped me to be patient. Okay. And you've got the meters in there. Yeah. Um, those, those meat probes. Those things are so cool. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. They come out with that Wi-Fi feature. allows me to uh, do all the other things that you listed that I, that I have to do yeah. and
1: not stand here the whole time.
0: That uh, that new grill that Traeger just released at that event last week, it um, it comes with two meter probes um, that are numbered one and two, so that you can um, you can be monitoring two different cuts of meat that are in there. Okay. And they just um, they basically Bluetooth to the grill, and the grill itself has Wi-Fi, <laughs> um, so then you're getting that that signal back to your phone, and it can help you. Cook these really intricate um, recipes, not necessarily for ham, but like for brisket. You know, brisket yeah, needs one to go through things real, to make a whole bunch of different stages, and uh, yeah, you can nail it. You can nail it exactly awesome. like a professional pit boss would. Yeah, um, because you're following their recipe exactly and using these tools to do it. Technology it's so amazing. Yeah, I'll tell you, I can't. Uh, I can't speak more
1: highly of, of that company. I I met him for the first time at the Hunter Games last year in they catered for, uh, for a day and a half at least, and, and the food was just unbelievable. Yeah. And I knew it was good when I had no idea about the company, ate the food, and then seeked out on my own where did this come from Yeah, and said okay, this makes sense. That's how good it was.
0: It's incredible. Um, I was talking with, with one of the writers that came down there for that event, and she was a cute gal. She was from New York and just moved to South Carolina, so she kind of had the classic Yankee thing going on, and she wrote for Forbes and Associated Press. and She was a real, real stern, um, seemingly uptight lady, but, but really she wasn't. What she was was a barbecue perfectionist. Uh-huh. And she was an expert in every kind of grill out there. And she'd flown in um, for this event to see this new grill get released. And we got to talk a lot of, about that. And, and she asked me what was important about it to me. I was like, look, as a, as a cattle rancher and as a hunter and a guide, I love these animals. Like I, I really do. Like, yeah. I, I care for them immensely. And I can think of nothing worse than all the work and effort and love that went into this animal, just so that we could enjoy this meat, and then have that get ruined on a grill. Yeah, you know, and a Traeger just doesn't do that. You know, you just can't hardly mess it up. It's constant watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's um, great. So I think that that's that's incredible. That that now we have you know a tool with the type of technology that makes food tastes really good and keeps us from wrecking it you know because how disrespectful is it to that animal that you burned it that you burned that meat you yeah know? I uh, I okay. actually try
1: to pass I feel the same way yeah. um and I'm not a very agreeable person so that should be right up front <laughs> I <laughs> I uh I speak my mind um and I believe 100 percent the same way you do about that, and I try to pass that along to the hunters that come into my shop, because I will see things that make me sick, Yeah, the way that they care for their meat, and I don't think it is um, blatant disrespect on their part, I think it's uh, lack of knowledge or ignorance, sure. uh, just because they just haven't learned it yet, or, or they're always willing to learn, so I say, hey, this is their... This is feces. This yeah. is entrails. This is what we don't want in our meat because I'm here at the butcher shop providing this food for your family and this is what you brought me.
0: Yeah. And and have you it's had usually to, thought upon
1: pretty good. Have you had to turn people away? I, I think the answer to that is I should have. Yeah. Did I? No. Because I more or less took it as an opportunity to
0: teach yeah.
1: and, and help because I think if I turn them away then they're just going to keep doing that and not know why. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I haven't got a lot of kickback. They're usually open to it. Now, if they weren't open to it, then the whole turning away thing probably would be on the table.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's something that every every butcher shop that does a wild game eventually comes up against is somebody bringing in an animal that was so poorly taken care of that they just can't let it through the doors. Yeah, and well, to contaminate the rest
1: of the animals. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I, the yeah. hose reaches outside and yeah. I've had to I've had to skin and take care of animals away from where I normally am set up to yeah. do it, for
0: sure. Yeah, but, you know, people uh, sometimes don't know and they don't know how to take care of an animal and don't know how to get it cold quickly enough and, and keep it clean. And then, you know, you guys love to drag a deer around up yeah. here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is always <laughs> going to get messy if you, if you drag them. I don't know what, yeah. what, that, what that thing is. I, so I, I don't get it. In,
1: in the Northeast, uh, whitetails, we're not going to tell you that we don't care about antlers. Because yeah. we do. Yeah, um, I love antlers. With that said, we don't have huge antlers like you guys do out west. And what, over time, would end up being important to us is weight. Yeah. So we get a patch for a two hundred pound buck. Yep. Yeah. Um so if you don't pull that animal out whole, you don't know what it's gonna weigh. Yep. Yeah. And that's uh that's the motivation for
0: most people to pull their animal out, out whole for sure. Yeah. It's interesting to me. Um it, it's so different. And, and I talked about it before when we did the the podcast with Hal Blood. and I just it it's so different because if I'm very far at all away from where I can get that animal into a vehicle. I'm just going to cut it out. I'm just going to quarter it. And and again, there's ways to quarter and get that animal really dirty and and do it wrong as well. Yeah. Um, Oh, for sure. So what I do is I bring a, a small plastic sheet with me. That's about the size of something that you'd throw over a picnic table you know, weighs basically nothing. I can set that out next to the animal. And then as soon as I take a quarter off the animal or a backstrap or a tenderloin or rib meat or whatever it is, it can go directly on this clean sheet of plastic. And then I can put it directly in a game bag. Yeah. And you need a place to set it down once you take it off the animal, especially if it's a big animal like an elk because you can't hold it up. Right. And if you set it down, now it's covered in dirt and pine needles. And, you know, you just wasted a bunch of meat needlessly. If you don't like the idea of plastic, I get that. Um, Tyvek is another really good option. That stuff is like unterrible. Yeah. Um It's cheap. You can find it at, at construction sites, you know, left over. So you can probably get a, a big old piece of it for free. Yeah. And you can wash it. You can throw it straight in the washing machine and use it again and again and again. We use... Um you know, yes, we we drag animals out,
1: and we're a big supporter of Argo. Uh, that allows us to get our moose out whole.
0: Yeah. With that
1: said, uh, we do hunt areas that wheeled vehicles are not allowed. So, sure. So uh, we quarter out, we quarter up, and pack out probably you know six or seven moose a season. Yeah. And same idea, you know, you're hitting all the points uh, that we do. We I, I carry a six by six tarp. Yeah. That's that's what I run. I lay it next to them. I Perfect. take a quarter off. I lay it on. Put it in the game bag. Um, but the one thing that I do have in my quartering pack is a small uh, Sawzall. Yeah. Uh, you know, Battery-powered Sawzall. Yeah, it's a yeah. small battery. It's real light. Yeah. And uh, yes, I can cut through the atlas or the joints, um, but why? Yeah. When I can just cut it with my Sawzall or sure. cutting the skull off, yeah. the antlers off, or uh, what it may be. It just makes life a little easier. Yeah,
0: if you've got it, use it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a better tool. These Argos are pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> They are a game changer. What is, sure. an, what is an Argo, for those who don't know?
1: It's an amphibious uh, UTV. So basically what you're looking at is a boat bottom, which is what really separates it from a, a side-by-side, which okay. l- they get called a side-by-side a lot. But, yeah. uh, you know, the characteristics of it that would separate it would be the boat bottom. And then I will tell you this, that if you're looking to do what, what Neo is doing with an Argo, you're going to need the rubber
0: tracks. Okay. Uh,
1: they do make a plastic track. You'll cause yourself a lot of headaches with those. Those okay. rubber tracks are really uh, what make that machine
0: unstoppable. Um, so you can you can go into water and it will float and keep going. Yes, you, you can go over deadfall and sticks and rocks and up st- incredibly steep stuff. Yeah, and you can drag out an entire friggin' moose. You can, and um, you know the wheel the it's about two and a half feet wide
1: each track, so it sits on a real wide base. Okay, and uh, there's always some part of that machine touching the ground, yeah, uh, steep or not. But, you know, the loggers, they tend to leave what we call blowdowns, uh, not the natural blowdowns, like the wood piles, yeah. the tops. Uh, if they're not chipping them, they'll leave them there and make it basically an ATV nightmare. Mm-hmm. If you were ever going there, uh, if you want to poke a hole in a, uh, bolt in a boot of yeah. your ATV or UTV, then drive up one of those, try to get a moose or deer out. Uh, but the tracks with the boat bottom just... Well,
0: might, might as well be pavement. Yeah. yeah. Um, your guys' moose operation is continuing to, to get more famous all the time. So in Maine, there's, what, 10 auction tags? Yeah, Maine offers 10 auction tags uh,
1: that they uh, take a silent bid auction for. It okay. usually opens up in about January,
0: and then second week of February is when they open up those uh, bids. And uh, out of those 10, how many of those hunters are, are coming to you to get guided? Out of the 10, we have seven coming our way.
1: So, yeah, it was, nice. it, was it was great. We put in nine. Okay. Uh, and we didn't get two of the bids. Um, but, yeah, two years ago, we had a relationship form with Hudson Farm, Griffin and Howe. Okay. And what a great group of guys. Uh, and they've just been talking. They had a yeah. good time. And they have a lot of friends and people that enjoy the outdoors just like we do and uh, been just creating some great relationships, and uh, they seem to be uh, producing uh, moose moose interest, moose hunting yeah. interest in the Northeast. So
0: relationships, are, what does it, man? Yeah. And it's something that they can't
1: be faked. No, it, you know the cat's out of the bag once they show up, yeah. and whether or not you can ask for a review and you can ask how your hunt was, and the only true answer. Is did they come back and did they tell their friends to come? Yeah. So you're not going to really know the answer uh, to what you're asking until the following year or after that. Yeah. So we hey. got our answer and, yeah. and we're happy to hear it. How
0: was your bear season last fall?
1: Our bear season was, was very good. A lot better than the year prior. We had, uh, uh, they were responding to the bait a lot better last year. Um, we got some new bait sites last year. we got about six new bait sites and, uh, we're got our eye on a couple more this year. So be over 50 bait sites, uh, in Maine and New Hampshire. So that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but we're, you know, we're producing a lot of bears. Um, we have increased our price in order to bring down the amount of clients we're bringing in to mm-hmm. hit our goals as a business, Kay. uh, which is increasing success rate, uh, which is ulti- our ultimate goal.
0: Um, how much availability do you have left this year? We don't have any. We, we booked <laughs> out in February, actually. So, really?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, m- my brother Jason and I, we started this business 21 years ago. It's our 21st season doing it. And uh, through the countless hours of discussing business model and how to just be successful in this and bring our passion to our career, it was this is our goal. Yeah. And, and we're there. we've achieved it now we just need to hold
0: on with both hands and keep it going there's something about that 20 year mark where things tend to kind of take off yeah you just got to get there yeah 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 there's there's things that they can accelerate success but time is time is something that you can't really rush and and there is something about 20 years that seems to be that like, that's the point where you can really start to take leaps and bounds. Yeah, I think it's two,
1: twofold, right? Like
0: at the 20-year mark,
1: you're you know what you're doing, yep. right? So not to say you don't prior to that, but you're you're comfortable and your confidence in whatever your 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 profession is is obvious to others as well. Yeah. And I think that helps. So It's not a cocky thing and it's not necessarily a confidence thing. It's the fact is, is when someone comes, they're comfortable doing business with you and, uh, you know, paying you because they know that they're going to get the service that they're looking for.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm up here right now. Um, coyote hunting, which has been cool and interesting. Uh, we had bad conditions this morning. It was blowing out of a, you know west northwest about 30 miles an hour sustained, sustained. Yeah, and brutal. uh and it was 20 degrees so that's pretty chilly you know kind of no matter who you are um 30 mile an hour wind on 20 degrees is cold and uh i i just don't know i don't know if the coyotes could hear us and i also don't know if they would be willing to move in those conditions even if they could
1: yeah i i think that's exactly right we'll chalk today up to a scout day yeah um, it was nice to be out there, but uh, when you can't feel your fingers, it makes it hard to get ready to shoot, even if the opportunity presented.
0: I'll tell you what, first thing this morning when the sun came up, you know we had big dark storm clouds over the top of us, but the sun came up underneath of it, and it was bright orange. And, uh, and these crows were flying around, and when they would turn, the tips of their wings yeah. were turning. It looked like they were on fire. Yeah, it was cool. It looked like, like black birds on fire. It was so beautiful. It was awesome. It's that awesome. was neat. That's something that I'll, that's something that I'll remember no matter what.
1: Yeah, that's and that's another uh, another point that only a hunter is is going to understand. You know, waking up with with nature, watching everything happen like that. You don't get to see that from your, inside your bedroom.
0: Well, what other dummy would go out there? <laughs> you know, fair enough. And and that's it, it's been brought up plenty of times. But that's one of the neat things about hunting. Is you end up going to places that you would otherwise not go, and being there during conditions under which you would otherwise not be. I can't agree with that more. Yeah, yeah. And and there's something special about that. And go back the next day and do the same thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Four thirty tomorrow morning.
1: We're yeah. gonna be after it again. Yeah. But we'll have a little better conditions. Yeah. And uh, and
0: hopefully we'll we'll get what we're after. Round in the chamber and hope in the heart. <laughs> we'll see. I like it. We'll see. Um, so you're going out and you're, you're killing on people's, um, farms and doing, you know, hogs and beef and stuff like that. People can bring your deer in here. We talked about ham, but are there any other specialty products that you're making?
1: Yeah, there are. And, uh, you know, this started out, uh, real quick. We were going to cut up a few deer a year and it, it basically evolved very quickly after word got out that we were offering such a service, uh, apparently uh, in New Hampshire, and I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of other places too, are suffering from lack of butchers. Mm. And when I started, uh, well, Leanne and I both said, we're going to jump in both feet yeah. and do this right. And we invested in it, but then it started. To, we started to hear from people like, well, how come you're not offering snack sticks? How come you're not offering summer sausage? we like hot dogs and so on and so on. So we looked into it and, uh, and basically said, yeah, we can do that. Let's do it. So we invested further and, uh, got a, a smoker and we've been putting out uh, some pretty great product. You know, I, I've been addicted to the hot dogs, the cheddar brats, and, uh, I put high temp cheddar cheese inside of a hot dog and, I think that's how you gain about 50 pounds in a month, because I haven't, <laughs> I haven't stopped eating those things since uh, we got the smoker, but what they're was, worth it.
0: What was that summer sausage I had last night? That was
1: jalapeno cheddar. That was good. Yeah, it was yeah. good.
0: And it wasn't too spicy. I'm kind of a girl around spicy stuff. It's
1: not, and I, I do not enjoy spice either, um, yeah. but I I like that. It's it just it's enough to know that it's uh, jalapeno. Yeah. It doesn't have the seeds, I think is why it's not mm-hmm. as uh, spicy, but... One of my guides that works for me, Sparky, he, uh, he actually sent me a picture. We went in on a cow and a pig here, and uh, he sent me a picture of him making lunch. He actually took the summer sausage, grilled it a little bit, and put it inside of a grilled cheese. Well, I'll tell you what. I did that the other night. He's on to something. Sounds legit. Yeah, he's on to Sounds something. Sounds legit. For sure.
0: It's hard to beat a grilled cheese. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, where do you see this all going? You know... We're only as
1: big as we can be space-wise. Yeah, I, I think, maybe we can expand onto it. But uh, I've got five years left in law enforcement. I would like to not take on any more construction projects yeah. in that time. We just built this establishment here, and uh, anyone who built during COVID understands what I'm talking about. Uh, so I need a little break from that. But I would like to see this um, kind of just build reputation for a good product for a quality product that we're putting out. And then in five years we can reevaluate and see if it's something we want to expand upon. Maybe even, you know, the hand truck smokers, something bigger. Yeah. You know, a little, little easier. That doesn't make me have to come down at three o'clock in the morning and change
0: the temperature. Yeah. Uh, But we'll see. We're, we're doing good right now. We're chugging along. It's a beautiful facility. Uh, if I, killed a deer anywhere near you I would definitely bring it here well I appreciate that I mean it's immaculately clean um you've got brand new top of the line equipment and obviously you care very much about every step of the process and that's that's what I'm looking for in somebody that's cutting up meat for me right and I'll tell you I have I have a handle um
1: I and all the people that work for us here uh have a handle on the fact that we're producing food yeah and this is going to your family your children um and just like we wouldn't want our family or our children to eat something that came from an unsanitary place. So no matter how tired we are at the end of the day, it gets cleaned every single time.
0: Well, it looks brand new. Well, we try to keep it that way (laughs) for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Uh, where can people, I mean, you've, you've been on the show before, so they, they should know about Northern New England outfitters. Um, and, we're going to have a link in, uh, link in here to your, your Instagram, but where can they find out more about your butcher shop? So we're actually,
1: we're on, uh, Facebook. We created a page there, uh, at the butcher shop, uh, at the Guilford butcher, sorry. And then our website, uh, the butcher shop, can check it out. Uh, we, uh, just made that live on Thursday. Wow. Yeah. So cool. real new. It's, uh. Up and run, I'm sure there'll be changes coming along the way, but it definitely helps people understand who we are and what we offer.
0: Okay. The butcher shop, nh.com. Yeah. Sweet. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, man. Thank you for your hospitality. Thanks for taking me coyote hunting. Big shout out to Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's that guy's a coyote maniac. Jesse
1: loves the coyotes. I'll tell you. He came here. Uh, he was getting bait, actually, um, Yeah. for his coyote hunting. Uh, or, jeez, I think in December, January, and uh, I mentioned that you were coming out, and Jesse is uh, is New Hampshire native through and through, loves hunting. Uh, I told him about you. He looked you up, and now he knows, he follows your podcasts and knows about all your accolades, and he wanted to be part of this. Yeah. Uh, and he's an intricate part to this because I would never claim uh, to know everything about, hunting just because i'm a hunting guide yeah uh coyote hunting was not my my expertise and it, it is Jesse's. so yeah yeah yeah
0: and he's he's just a good guy yes yeah, fun to be around yeah, and hilarious. they make a killer pizza where he works so. okay yeah <laughs> awesome all right well thanks again man and uh we'll catch up with you again a little later on all right james thanks so i found this old ad and there's like dude's dressed up like construction workers and a guy's got a jackhammer and there's a crane and you know they're moving all these big steel beams and stuff aladdin stanley
1: thermos stanley the top all steel thermos bottle that's
0: completely dependable they're showing this thermos like falling off this building and hitting all this other construction stuff and built to take abounding year after year (laughs) get the top one. Oh, well, lands because in a wheelbarrow. Guy grabs it out of the wheelbarrow. The the wheelbarrow.
1: Now he's going to pour himself a cup of, of
0: coffee. I love these cheesy old ads. And most of the time, like, they're lying to us, right? That's most of what marketing used to be was just, like, telling a lie or, or at least telling a version of a lie that that made you think that you needed this thing. But we will tell you what, when it's cold out like it is right now, the only way to keep liquid liquid and not freezing in your pack is by putting it in something that's insulated. So packing a thermos in the wintertime is really smart, whether it's for a hot beverage like coffee or if you just want to bring some water with you, which is a really important thing if you're going to be out adventuring around in this this snow that we've got all over the country. And I think you should be because it's a great time of year to get out and about. You know, this is both a comfort and a safety thing. If you want to get something from Stanley, which I encourage you to do, you can use the discount code 6RANCH. That's the number 6 in the word ranch, and that'll get you 25% off of just about anything on their website. I encourage you to do that. They're great supporters of the show and uh, great supporters of this audience, and I love you guys. So stay warm out there, have a nice warm drink, and uh, make sure you're drinking it out of a Stanley product. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch podcast. I'll catch you next week.